Hello and welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. Pacific Time on the world's best internet radio station, San Francisco's BFF.FM, or subscribe to the podcast at For the Record Podcast, all one word, dot com. This week we're talking about the new album from Eyelids called Colossal Waste of Light, and it starts with the song Crawling Off Your Pages. band is such a fun you know not new but new to me discovery where uh they have been around for like a decade this is their fourth studio album but somehow i just miss that they exist which is surprising because they've got that lineage that at least has a handful of people out in the press saying do we call these guys a super group and i appreciate that they don't say it but it's really the lineage is the two front men are John Moen and Chris Lucerenko, who between the two of them, they played together in Boston Spaceships with Robert Pollard, but then also uh, Chris, uh, Chris Lucerenko, I'm not going to try to say that name more, but uh, he played with kind of by voices and other Robert Pollard solo work. John Moen has played with the Decemberists, Stephen Malkmus, the Fastbacks, just this remarkable uh, resume is on these two guys. And then, oh, let's see, we need to get a new bassist. Hey, guess who just moved to Portland before the pandemic, the Victor Krumenacher, and all these names are just killing me. Yeah, but you might have practiced this pronunciation before the show as I did. Yes, I might have, but <laughs> you know that would that wouldn't be as fun. So he, who's been in Camper Van Beethoven since forever, uh, Jonathan Drews also was in Boston Spaceships, uh, and Polly Proventi, Paul Verenti, who I can't find other credits for beyond this, but is a fantastic drummer. You would get a sync of that, uh, a little sample of that on this first track, and they're getting together. And it is the quintessential guitar rock in the sense of not one, not two, but three guitars. And I love how the beginning of this song, we hear that where they just keep layering them on and each one with such a different sound, but playing so well together. Yeah, they have been described in a a number of different places as a power pop band, but I don't know why. And this is not power pop, but I guess because there is a lot of guitars and it's kind of like a propulsive chord driven song, you know, song styles, I guess that's where they're getting that from. But, um, you know, like when we were talking about it earlier, we talked about it being a very psych rock influenced and there's a lot of other things going on here, but yeah, well, I think that it's, I, I, one of the things, you know, and we'll get a sense of that as we play more of the record, but I like how there's kind of this narrative sonically where I do think these first couple of tracks are power poppy in that they have a very bright sound and very simple kind of structure. And the lyrics are just kind of sung in this very wisp breathy kind of blown out fashion. 
and this just kind of vague sense of like, I don't know, I, you're out of touch and it's all this just reaching out and trying to find connection. So it feels very universal and it just, yeah, it feels poppy even if it's so guitar driven. And then I like that over the course of the record, the sound does evolve. And so that that's what I would say is it's, it starts off power pop and then it starts uh, tricking you uh, repetitively over the course of 13 uh, songs. So the next song we'll play is called Swinging in a Circus. Swinging in the Circus. play that section so that we could get the instrumental bridge where at the end there you get Pulverenti's drumming which is just really imaginative on this record and I think that is the benefit of having uh, a band where everybody is industry veterans who don't really have anything to prove and who have known each other for a long time is I think people are really able to lock in on producing a unified sound rather than trying to you know steal the spotlight or stand out together and this album was also produced by Peter Buck, who has been producing them for a while and is referred to as the sixth eyelid. Peter Buck, of course, of R.E.M., which gave me some hesitation when we decided to do this album because we did just talk about the bad ends a couple episodes ago. So I- I'm a little bit worried about turning this into, you know, the R.E.M. extended universe podcast. But I, I think there are worst fates. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, his work is really fantastic here and i like the progression because i felt like that first track calling off your pages is very clean and kind of simple production and genuinely like i found very charming about it that when i started listening to it it just felt like yeah this is just like some like bedroom recording by my friend's band like it had that just very kind of purity of sound and yet here things become so much more expansive and even if okay the power pop thing like yeah that some of the energy is there but it's so spacey and big the way it sounds that it seems to it transcends that sort of label and i think speaks to the quality of the production although yeah i i just want to say about peter buck and his take on though he is so humble that when he talks about this band he says oh they don't really need a producer i'm just there to kind of remind them and keep the keep the overview in mind is how he put it so they like having me there he says yeah it's very sweet i also feel like the vocals and kind of the doubling of the vocals are it's probably actually like multiple people harmonizing but and the kind of ethereal high tone sound is not power poppy at all 
So, um, but the next song we'll, we'll play is, I think, a very power pop song. It's okay. called Runaway, Yeah. I love how this straddle sounds because it has yeah, some power pop energy, but especially in that bridge where things get very echoey and spacey. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it, it it's tapping into kind of this darker world that is really interesting. And I want to spend time there. And I think it's appropriate that so, like, again, all these tracks we're playing, I love how they're all really high energy, but then all about feelings of disconnection and anxiety like swing in the circus is just like trying to be a performer and being scared and being afraid of failure here like being afraid and just wanting to run away and Mm -hmm. it's a great through line and i I don't know that there's like the i I haven't didn't necessarily grab the deepest like oh this is this is the theme we're hitting over the head but it does feel like a thematically consistent record to me yeah, I mean, this was all written kind of remotely during the pandemic, and they were sent. It was the first time they've ever rec- like written a record that way by sending each other little pieces and then figuring out what to add. And so, this definitely has the feel of that disconnection of the pandemic. Yeah, for sure. And I love though, and we couldn't capture all of it, but how nicely this song builds and the three guitars mm-hmm. lets you. Where, oh, here's one guitar doing one thing. Let's throw another guitar. Maybe throw it off in the left ear. And so they do fun things with the stereo separation on, on these three different guitar sounds. Uh, and I like also that then for like a full verse and a half, it's just this kind of very clicking, almost just feels like hitting, hitting the, the yeah, hitting the drumstick on the on the on some piece of metal or the rim of the drum. And so when suddenly the pivot that we heard there to the full drum kit really knocks you over it's great yeah this is a very expertly structured song like the way that it starts out and then kind of builds up to this propulsive chorus each time is very satisfying yeah the choruses are satisfying but as i said there's still like a deep sense of unease Mm -hmm. through all of it and it's i like that they can work with both those sounds and i think that sense of unease really comes in both in the sound and the title of the next track, which is the title track for the record. It's called Colossal Waste of Light.
song has such an expansive, spacey feel, and it, there's so much reverb, and I, I, there's so those kind of slow instrumental solos, like the one where we went out, it just creates such a mood. Yeah, there's, I mean, I would say the drum solo, not very slow, but everything else, all of the guitar sounds are very languid in a way that is just very welcoming. I mean, I think it's slow in that it's not, it's, yeah, it, but slow, deliberate, very energetic. And, you know, obviously the title track and coming here right at the very dead center of the record. And so it is like an interesting question of like, what do they mean? And so I'm just going to defer to them that they're, they talk about how it's like uh, this feeling of trying to hold on to hope while also feeling like there's no reason to do that. And that that's really challenging, just like sticking in it. And I think that's consistent with a lot of the songs and here most explicit as I'd say the sound of the record really pivots from arguably pop or power pop to not at all power pop, where we get into very big sounding psych rock of, you know, this could be from the seventies or it could be from 30 minutes ago. Like it has this very timeless, but huge arena fillings kind of psychedelia. It and, sounds like it's being recorded in like a giant airplane hangar or something. Yeah. And what I love about that is I think that is a style of music that lends itself to excess. And when you look at the tr the length of this record, it's 13 tracks and it comes in just over, what, 40 minutes because none of the songs is over four minutes long. And if ever, you know, I just when I hear music that sounds like this, I expect them to take, you know, eight minutes to jam out. <laughs> And who yeah. knows, maybe their live act is like that, but at least on the record, incredible discipline. Yeah, and also the fact that there are three guitars and you can tell that each of them is trying to find a place to kind of put their own creativity into a, a spot between the other guitars and it doesn't feel overstuffed. Like it doesn't feel like they're competing with each other. It just feels like a very full sound with a lot of little flourishes and a lot of little interest items that reward repeated listens. Yeah, for sure. And what I like is, yeah, that that sort of disciplined psychedelia, I think, really pivots into the next couple of songs we're playing, which I think remain very psychedelic, but much more stripped down into a kind of throwbacky, more 60s kind of sound. And that starts with this next track we'll play. It's called The Snowfire Band. Patience is our jangly guitars and the lyrics and that kind of describe this like made up band that lives in the forest and 
you know, the chorus of we'll show you a better way to live. This really felt like it could be a bird song. It's very it's got that kind of 60s feel. Yeah. And I think that I, I think instrumentation less so. But yeah, the energy of it and the spirit, especially coming after this song that they've said is very much rooted in modern anxiety of like we're all screwed is to then go back to this this incredibly idealistic and arguably foolishly idealistic kind of 60s uh zeitgeist of like oh we're just gonna like go back to nature and like nature. Cha- channel the spirits and be hippies and just there's everything a tambourine will be great. everything will be great yeah <laughs> but there's also a vibra slap so yes. you know it's good um but yeah that it's i love this yeah channeling of yeah this almost mystical yeah these mystical figures and like they're they're going to teach you the the wisdom of the uh mis- these mysterious wisdom and also maybe just kiss you and make you younger so it's it's really silly and fun and it's a nice kind of palate cleanser in what is a, i think overall a fairly dark record so it's nice to have this just throwbacky just utterly positive i mean i think in some ways the subject matter is dark or the lyrics are dark but they do that you know, I don't want to call it like a common trick, but it's a well-worn <laughs> trope of mixing up the major and the minor chords to kind of give it a little bit darker feel some of the time. But then you bring it back up with the sunny major chords and it's all upbeat and it has a kind of quick beat. Yeah. And so we come here where I said this is kind of throwbacky, and I think we go maybe even more in kind of a folk rock direction for the next track we'll play, which is called Misuse. So now, on the eve of my haunting These zombies are still having trouble with their lines Floating back to the valley we once left behind It's over for years now Still your memory implores me Was there a better door? Forgotten for years now And certainly the title is pretty downer and the lyrics to the extent that I understand them do seem to be really laced with a lot of regret and kind of looking back and questioning decisions. But then that, again, that darkness is wrapped with a totally new sweetness that is this stripped down two acoustic guitars at the start. And then we get, what's that synth? Oh. And a horns and strings, and it becomes this very different anomalous song on the record that is, I think, a nice pairing with the previous Snowfire band where both just go to the past and it doesn't feel like a retread. It just feels like honoring 
this tremendous tradition of a, these, these more folky sounds, and yet it works on the record. I really like the way it's mixed as well because the acoustic guitars are still the highest in the mix and they stay at the forefront. And then when the horns come in, it's really subtle and you might not even notice them as much at first, but it just creates this sonic texture that's really lovely. Yeah, I think this, you know, the takeaway as we're getting towards the home stretch on this record is the real versatility of this band as songwriters and as performers and sort of what you would expect from their experience but also like sometimes experience gets you set in your ways it's like well this is how i like to do it and that's not what's happening here these are artists who are eager to explore a lot of different sounds and it's pretty great yeah it's their fourth full-length album but 17th offering if you include their prior singles and eps and you can just tell that this is, again, these are veteran musicians who don't need to make a record anymore. Like they're kind of, they've had their careers, but they, they're coming together to put out something that they think has new ideas. And, you know, it's, it's like they're not being pressed against the wall to just like spit out another record. They put this together because they thought that they had a cohesive number of songs that were all pretty great. Yeah. And so I think after this, relatively calm interlude we get into the uh end of the album where things get way loud again and way more obviously dark and so we'll hear that for sure on the penultimate track lion in your tomb i'm slightly awakened when the shove and the stake you also has a kind of different flavor of 60s vibe with the again with the jangly guitars and the tambourines but much slower and kind of more spooky yeah it's spooky and yeah very kind of garage rocky sound it's again i think goes back to really pretty clean production so it's yeah it's it's not the acoustics of misuse but it is really stripped down and it's this band can sound fantastic when it's produced all the way or it can sound fantastic when they strip it all the way back and again all credit to you know peter buck's production even if he says he's not doing much i know he's helping and really his role in the band is part of an almost mystical origin story for these guys yeah there was an interview that i read with chris chris lucerenko who said i wrote rem a letter before murmur came out and they'd never been to the northwest but I got a letter from Peter and he was like, hey, you know, we hope to come out that way sometime soon. Here's a bunch of bands you should check out. Check out Minor Threat. Check out Mission of Burma, The Replacements. It was really amazing. I couldn't believe someone wrote back to me. So I wrote back and then we had this correspondence. Then later I got to meet the band. They got my family and me into an REM show as well as soundcheck during the Reckoning tour. And then in 2000, I did this concept album called Colonel Jeffrey Pumpernickel, and Peter played on one of those songs in the Minus Five, and I got to reconnect with him as an adult. 
If I'm with Peter and there's somebody who doesn't know who I am, he'll be like, Chris and I used to write back and forth. We were pen pals when he was like 13. And now I'm producing his great band. It's kind of sweet, you know? Yeah. To me, this is like what music should be, what life should be of (laughs) someone who has success. And I mean, back then, R.E.M. weren't, you know, a world striding colossus. They were simply an up and coming band. And yet the Peter Buck reached out and said, no, I want to talk to the young generation and keep the excitement about music. I have this excitement about music and I want to share it. And that he was planting those seeds that grew into this remarkable decades later musical collaboration. It's like, I, I, it makes me so happy that the world has stories like this in it and that the result of those stories is an album like this. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it was so enjoyable to listen to. You discovered it, and I wasn't really sure at the beginning, but then after repeated listens, it really grew on me. It's got such a varied sound, and it, like I said, just the, the way that they're not competing with each other or they're all just trying to fill out the song in the way that works best within the song is really great to hear. Yeah, it's phenomenal collaboration, and it was really tough. You know, 13 tracks, so we had to drop, what, five to fit... Mm-hmm into our discussion in a half hour slot. And some of those five songs are really good. (laughs) And we simply had to pick and choose. And so uh, for sure, check it out. And unfortunately, um, you know, they already toured through the Bay Area, but are continuing to tour through us the country. And there's another case of the Ivy Room in Albany, which is really apparently an up and coming club because I Quasi played there. Yeah, Quasi played there. It's getting more and more bands. So we we have to kind of include that, I guess, in our checking out what upcoming calendars are because a lot of bands are making that their Bay Area stop. And they, I was looking at their calendar and I see that they also have afternoon shows on the weekends, which is great because if you're dragging yourself all the way out to Albany, it's, you know, nice to not have to drive back late at night. Albany is much like Siberia. Yeah. But no, it, it's it's these fantastic opportunities and this fantastic band. I'm just really thrilled that we got to discover them better late than never. And yeah. so in in the mix of the bands to keep keep following, because they obviously, I mean, how much music they've put out in the last 10 years, and it doesn't seem like they have any intention of slowing down. So we're going to go out with the last song on the record, which is called I Can't Be Told. And you've been listening to For the Record. We've been discussing the eyelids eyelids record a colossal waste of light thanks so much for listening
This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.